Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Spoke with a pastor that I know and he shared this little thing with me and it, it ties into our, our epistle reading. Uh, Romans chapter 14 verse 1 it says this, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So what we do first, hang on one second. Can you turn your speaker down? Just turn your volume down. Cool, thanks. Sorry. So, not to quarrel over opinions. And this pastor said, he wrote me this, he said, as a young teenager and new to the church, I was judged in how I dressed. A guy approached me one day and asked me why I wasn't wearing a tie. I asked him, why aren't you wearing an earring? True story. So, I wonder what it is that we tend to quarrel over these days, these opinions that we have within the church. Now, what's happening in Rome in the days when Paul is writing is they're, they're having their struggles over food and over days of celebration. That's what we see in our text for today. And over food, what we see is here it says... Um, Eating only vegetables. The weak avoided eating meat, probably because as Jewish Christians, they had fears about its contact with idolatry. And so they were doing whatever they could to keep themselves free from idolatry. And those who were weak, who didn't remember that Jesus said, whatever goes into the, into the stomach is just digested and, and gone out. It doesn't make you unclean. Okay? What makes you unclean is what's in the heart. Okay? Such as murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. All those things make you unclean. But yet those who were weak in the faith may have simply remembered back to Daniel. Remember the beginning of Daniel when he wouldn't eat the food that was presented by the king of Babylon. Instead, he ate only vegetables. So this is a real issue back there, a real important issue. Not like whether I wear a tie or not or whether I have an earring in my ear or not, but a real issue. There's another one also in today's. Another issue dividing the weak from the strong was the observance of special religious days. Because of their Jewish backgrounds, the weak were apparently continuing to observe Jewish feast days. The strong, on the other hand, saw no basis for treating one day different from another. And so they had various opinions. I want to give you a little bit from what another friend of mine shared with me about what are those matters of adiaphora, these opinions. Now, adiaphora are those issues that are neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture. Now, there's a lot of things that God commands and forbids in Scripture, but there are a lot of other things that we have our arguments over that have nothing to do with what God commands or forbids. And just listen to this little list. Political affiliation. We never argue over that in the church, do we? Patriotism. Cultural habits and customs. Tattoos, level of church involvement, music genre, worship style, what movies to watch, what do you allow your kids to eat, are you doing enough to protect the environment? Are any of those possible things we might argue over today? And if they are, Might God be reminding us that it's far more important to be about the things that God specifically says 
rather than just these other matters that are still important but aren't of ultimate importance. Pat and I this last week watched a video about the person Dennis Jernigan. Dennis Jernigan is, is one, we sing some of his songs, okay? Uh, one that you probably may even know is, You Are My All in All. Another one is, Nobody Fills My Heart Like Jesus. There's a lot of songs of his that we know and we really like. He knew what the scripture said about something that he was struggling with. He knew what the scripture says. The church had made that abundantly clear for him. And, and yet, what he needed in order to help him through the struggle that he had was love and acceptance from God and from those around him. He needed the gospel to win him and to change him. The actions of a friend who would come alongside him and continue to walk with him, no matter how he struggled, was of ultimate importance. Coupled along with other events that he went through, a, a concert he went to, other things, all those things, God's love and acceptance that was reminded, he was reminded of that over and over again. This friend who continued to walk along with him, accepting him, welcoming him, made all the difference in the world so that God could get a hold of him and change his life. Now that was over a real issue that God had made abundantly clear in the scriptures. How about for you and for me, as we have been those who are welcomed by Jesus, accepted by him, how about for us? Are we actually called to love and accept and welcome those who might see life differently than us? Do any of us ever go off half-cocked? Do we ever hear half the story and make a very strong judgment about a person, knowing only half the story or less, and not knowing all of the influences and not knowing exactly what they did, but we just go because, by golly, I can and before you say, oh, maybe, okay, do you ever do that with one another in the church? Has anyone ever done that to you? So this is, these are appropriate things for us to look at and consider today, aren't they? So what is it that it means to welcome someone? Well, first, to welcome means to not despise them or to judge them. So first thing we do when we don't despise or judge them is we don't take it upon ourselves to act as a judge. We actually humble ourselves to seek to understand the other person, to understand why they hold the position that they hold. As sheep in our own congregation and as a shepherd and also a sheep at the same time, I've had people, I've heard them, who speak about how difficult and horrible it is to be judged and not more than five minutes later speak incredibly judgmental and condemning words about someone else. I've observed that within our own congregation. I've done that myself. Not over some big deal that Scripture talks about that I want to actually help the person through. It's just this attitude somehow where I'm so hurt, so I'm going to hurt somebody else. Isn't that interesting? Welcome. So welcoming is to not despise, not to think little of them, and not to stand in judgment over them. Well, why should we welcome others? Or as the NIV says, why should we accept them? Well, first of all, because God has accepted them. 
That's what the scripture says. For God has accepted them. They are his servants. He's accepted them. You know, I wonder how easy it is for me, especially as soon as I got out of the seminary. Man, I knew some Lutheran things, and if you weren't Lutheran, you were bad. Boy, those horrible Baptists, aren't they just awful? Church of Christ, do they even, get a, do they even have a clue? Those other Methodists, man, there's just some horrible people. I can't believe the non-denominational. They have not got a clue about the sacraments. What in the world is going on? Horrible, 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 horrible. Welcomed and accepted and loved by Jesus' people. Who made me judge over them? You know, if I'm actually living as a servant, looking at another servant who might believe something slightly different but trust in Jesus, then our job is to welcome that other servant, that fellow servant, and not to stand apart from them. Remember, who are the ones who did the Heisman? I can't do Heisman very well. Something like this. Okay, Who are the religious leaders that did this? Pharisees, I'm not like you. Remember how the Pharisees would always be the separatists? They would be like, look at that horrible woman. How could Jesus spend time with her? I'm not like her. Is that how we are? Do we refuse to welcome because we forget who God is? Now, if we think on this just for a second, I love this, and this is kind of an aside, but please follow me on this. There's four G's. There's I have four G's in a couple of different areas, one on conflict that we're not going to talk about today, but one on, on just on the whole idea of we can change. If I recognize that God is four G's, and if you're writing things down today, write this down. God is great, God is good, God is glorious, God is gracious. Don't worry, I'll give you these again and again. God is great. God is great. You know what God is great means? God is the great maker of the universe. God is the one who's made us Christians. God is the one who does all these different things. If God is great, you know what that means? I don't have to be in control. And I don't have to judge. God is great. You know what? Second, God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. God is great. God is good. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. I can keep looking to him. When I'm struggling with my sin, Jesus, 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 save me from this gossip, this gluttony, this video watching, this wasting of time, this tearing down my brother, this refusing to accept someone who's different than I am, who belongs to Jesus. God is glorious, which means that I don't have to be afraid. This is a huge one for me. I love picking on Kurt. I hope Kurt's okay with this, but I love picking on him. Wouldn't it be great if I recognize that God is ultimately the most glorious one so I don't have to be afraid of what Kurt thinks of me? That's such a huge challenge for me. I want all of you to like me. I want all of you to think well of me. And I wonder how many times that keeps me from loving you truly well because I'm more concerned about you than the glorious God. If God is glorious, I want to respond to him, not seek your response. And God is gracious, which means I don't have to prove myself. You're already as good as you can get in Jesus. You don't have to prove yourself. Isn't that awesome? What this does, this sets you free. You don't have to judge. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to prove yourself. You can just be God's servant, responding to his grace, whether you live or whether you die, you are the Lord's.
and you can live in his welcoming acceptance and you can welcome and accept others who might be seeing some adiaphora different than you. Some churches fight cat and dogs over which musical style is right. We don't give you a choice. You get both. Okay. I tend to not let political arguments happen in the church building because I don't find them to be edifying. If we could actually discuss and value one another's opinion without becoming so isolated and go further onto our positions, I'd love to have those conversations. But until we can actually have them listening really well and not thinking ill of someone else because of what party they're part of, that's what our world is cultivating, right? Hatred for the other side. So we want to welcome, welcome what it means to welcome, again, to, to receive them, not to judge them, not to despise them and think they're small. Welcome. Why? Because God has welcomed them. Remember, welcome how? Well, how do we welcome someone? Well, first what we do is, remember this, we want to live the L. I want to trust God and love my neighbor. Trust God and love my neighbor. If I'm living the L, I'm living as his servant, I'm living in his grace and mercy, then I'm free to love my neighbor, whoever that might be. Live the L. Welcome. How do we welcome? We live the L. And isn't it interesting? It says in the scripture, the end for which Jesus died is that we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom. I adjusted that slightly. We not only know who God is, I think it's so interesting how easy it is for me to continue in sin, for me to continue judging and not accepting others. It's so easy for me to do that when I know that there's a God, but he doesn't matter. You see, it's very easy for us to continue on in sin when I I know there's a God, he just doesn't matter in this situation right now. Remember a few weeks ago when I brought up that situation where where Pastor Zagel brought some scripture to a, a man who had been bad-mouthing his pastor or someone else. And it said, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And as he looked at that, he was quiet for five minutes. Six minutes, I think it was. And then he, afterwards, he said, I have sinned. If we let the word of God impact us, how many people have we chosen not to accept? How many people have we chosen not to accept? Because somehow, even though they follow Jesus, are somewhat different from us. So we see what it means to welcome, why we welcome them, how we welcome, now, or why we welcome them, and um, now we want to look at how we welcome them. So first it's living the L, that God actually matters. Second, we want to live to honor and thank God. Responding to Jesus and not to others. To honor and thank God. Remember what, what St. Peter, when, God, when Jesus had restored him, and Jesus said, now you're going to have a time when you're going to be bound and people will dress you and all these things. And so basically he described how he would die. And then Peter said, well, what about him? And he was pointing to John. What about John? And Jesus says, if John needs to live until I come again, that's fine. But as for you, follow me. We want to respond to Jesus, not holding out, not looking for something else, not comparing our life to others. My goodness, if I would compare my life to your life, 
I would say I am the most blessed person by far in this building. By far. But then you might be able to say the same thing about yourself. Some of you. But it's not about ranking how good or bad our life is. It's about has God reached out to you in his grace and mercy and grabbed you and brought you to himself so that you could respond to him in his great love because your future is the same as my future to live and reign with him forever? Is that not awesome? And make everything else in life palatable because of him, the one who loves you. What, I've, what I'm thinking is when I'm living to love and honor, to living to honor and thank God, generally what that means is when I see over here our musician and he's having some hardship, instead of saying, you know what a judge does? A judge says, here's my judgment from a distance. But when I'm welcoming him, I'm actually getting close to him, trying to understand what in the world is going on in his life. What does he need? How can I help him? What's that question I asked you to learn a few weeks ago? How may I best serve you? How may I best serve you? May I pray for you? May I join you? May I understand your situation? What's going on in your life? Can I get to know you? Or, I don't really care about you. I just can make an easy, quick judgment. In view of the final judgment, how do we do this? In view of the final judgment. And I, I really love this that uh, Timothy Keller put out. He, he one time had said, you know, if instead of just judging by God's standards, okay, instead of judging by, by God's ultimate standards, what if we just did this? What if you and I just hung, and I've used this with you before, but what if we just hung a tape recorder around our neck and recorded all the, all the standards that we have for other people? Okay? Like, I can't believe they drive that fast. What a horrible speeder. Okay? I can't believe they actually texted while they were driving. What a horrible person. They don't care about other people at all. And then just go kind of through all the list of the things that we would say as we judge other people, especially other people in the church. And what if God simply used our own tape recorder of the things that we would judge others for and used it against ourselves? How would you do according to your own standards? Nothing to fear, right? You just do perfect. All those standards that you would set for others, you've never failed, have you? Oh, so you all have failed like I have miserably at my own standards I set for myself? If we think of the final judgment, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Judgment is so natural. We've all fallen short of the judgment we have for other people, especially when it comes to these things of adiaphora, these things that aren't forbidden or commanded. You know, sometimes I'm really curious because sometimes the thing God does command, we blow off, and the things that he doesn't really have that much concern about, we heighten those to great heights. Isn't that crazy? How great is it that we have a God who has welcomed us for Jesus' sake? We have a God who accepts us for Jesus' sake. I'd like to share this story. I'm sure you've heard it many times, but please listen one more time. The New York Post carried the story of a group of young people traveling by bus on a holiday trip to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Not long after leaving, they noticed the dark-skinned, middle-aged man poorly dressed and looking quite worried as he sat slouched in his seat, head down. When the bus pulled in at a roadside cafe, everyone got out except Vingo, as the young people had named him. The young people were curious about him. Where had he come from? 
Where was he going? Finally, one of them, them sat next to him. Sat, I'm sorry, I'll try and use English. Finally, one of them sat next to him and said, We're going to Florida. Would you like some of my Coke? He took a swig and said, Thank you. After a while, he told his story. He had been in New York prison for four years. While I was away, I wrote to my wife and told her I'd be away for a long time. And if she couldn't take it, she should just forget about me. I told her not to write, and she didn't. Not for three and a half years. Then he said, she's a wonderful woman, really good, really something. And now you're going home not knowing what to expect, the girl asked. Yes, he replied. You see, last week when my parole came through, I wrote to her again. I told her I would be coming by on the bus. As you come into Jacksonville, where we live, there's a big oak tree. I told her that if she would take me back, she could tie... Excuse me. I knew this would happen and prepared for it. You could tie a yellow ribbon on the tree, and I would get out there, get off there, and come home. If you didn't want me, forget it. No ribbon, and I just keep going. The girl told the others... And soon they were all involved, looking at pictures of Vingo's wife and children, and all getting more anxious and nervous as they approached Jacksonville. There was a hushed mood in the bus. Vingo's face tightened. Then suddenly all of the young people were up and out of their seats, screaming and shouting, crying and dancing, all except Vingo. He just sat there, stunned, looking at the oak tree. It was covered with yellow ribbons, 20 or 30 of them. The oak tree had been turned into one big welcome banner. As the young people shouted, Vingo rose from his seat, made his way to the front of the bus, smiled back at the young people through a flood of tears, and got off. We don't have an oak tree with yellow ribbons. We have a cross stained with blood. We have a table where we receive the very body and blood of Jesus and the bread and wine to forgive our sins and to remind us that we are welcomed, that we are accepted. How will you and I respond to God's love and acceptance? His welcome of us? As we anticipate hearing his words one day from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. We are gentle with our opinions and we live as servants, not judges, to thank and honor the one who has accepted us. Amen?